0: to the designated drinker show the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails i am your host louise solace and with me as always is my very very talented friend who is truly timeless the mixtress dc (laughs) dina hello louise Hi, lovely. You must
1: have been dipping into some sort of spirit that he say I'm truly timeless. <laughs> I feel like Always. my time is running up
0: anyway. No, no. If any, you're the person you're, the, I think the person I know that can make more time out of a day. Um, you squeeze the hell out of it. Um, but so speaking of time, did you, um, have you ever read HG Wells, The Time Machine? In high school. Oh, it's yeah. I read that in high school. Yeah, so um, I'm gonna take you back in time, Gina, just a little bit, okay? So it's 1795 and on some bar stool somewhere in Boston, Massachusetts, Samuel Adams and his good buddy Paul Revere were struck with a time-worthy idea. Now the result of this moment of genius would lay in wait for more than 60 years before it saw the the light of day and then wait for another 160 years before its secrets and treasures would be permanently removed from its hiding place and shared with the world. So you see, in late 2014, there were repairmen fixing a water leak in the Massachusetts State House. And while doing so, they uncovered a brass box that those two former Sons Sons of Liberty placed in a cornerstone to mark the building's construction, which happened way back in 1795. When this box was finally unsealed in 2015, it was found to contain a trove, a trove, I say, of preserved artifacts to include newspapers, coins that date all the way back to 1600s, and a copper medal. and this is kind of cool, with the image of the general of the American army, George Washington, so it wasn't even president yet. Um, And maybe the coolest artifact was this silver plate. it's believed it was the work of Paul Revere himself, It read, the cornerstone of a building intended for the use of legislative and executive branches of the government of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I can't say Massachusetts, math, (laughs) was laid by His Excellency Samuel Adams, Esquire, governor of said Commonwealth. Cool thing, another cool thing about this little brass box that was hidden inside the cornerstone of that building, that it is considered, to be the oldest time capsule ever in the united states oh that is cool see see so i think it proves that uh time travel is actually possible mm. if you drink enough <laughs> yeah. I I want to see you wrap this up into the guest. Okay, so talking about treasure troves. Um, So in honor of Open That Bottle Night, which is a rather new date on our calendars, um, and it encourages us to drink that bottle that we've been sitting on, that we've been holding on to for that special occasion. Um, And in our own little special designated way, designated drinker way, we'd like to honor that date as well. And we're doing so by inviting back the whiskey curator and spirit hunter that is bill thomas because who knows better about finding great treasure than bill Hmm. see (laughs) welcome back bill thank you (laughs) there's a long way to get there
2: (laughs) yeah no thank you it's a pleasure to be back
0: great Uh, how's life treating you
2: uh as well as can be expected like anyone else in the in our industry we're holding on day to day paying the rent not really paying the rent but You know, we're uh, open for business. We have people coming in to see us. So So that's all we can hope for.
0: That is amazing.
2: Yeah. Just trying to have a business to come back to. That's all we're holding on to is we're, we're we're, we're kind of stalling just till we can get back to normal. So
0: I think we'll all get there. We'll get there. I'm pretty, I've got to stay positive. Um, So let's talk to our let's let our our loyal listeners let's remind them and our new listeners, um, Bill, about your passion that turned into an obsession. At Uh, what point in your life did it change for you that got you to this point where you have? And get me tell tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you will. I have been told that you have over twenty seven hundred whiskey expressions, and I'm going to call it in your. publicly available liquor cabinets and another 8,000 in your private stash?
2: Well, uh, I would say that would have been true before March of 2020. Uh, That's (laughs) no longer true. Uh, Drinking a few of those
0: old dusties, are you? (laughs)
2: Those have have gone to keep us afloat. I mean, uh, we actually, by the end of uh, May uh, 2020, sold every bottle at Jack Rose, all 2,700. Wow. The the walls were completely bare. Not one not one bottle anywhere. So we sold that. We're you know, we managed to keep the the staff afloat uh so far and we have restocked around 2000 bottles since June of 2020 now again. We've rebuilt wow. the collection. Um as far as the 8000 bottles that were formerly in storage, I'd say at least 2,000 are gone, maybe 3,000, maybe more. went to keep us afloat during COVID. So we've just been selling any short, any, any shortage in the business, we just sell whiskey to, to cover. We were lucky enough to have that. So we do consider ourselves amongst the luckiest um, uh, hospitality or restaurant people during COVID. Cause we've been able to keep the whole team together um, keep everybody moving and still rebuild Jack Rose. So we, we estimate that we'll be back, uh, you know, heading uh, approaching 3000 by uh, this June or July. So we're, we're pretty good.
0: That's we're great. Good. That's great that you had that to lean on though. It's like It's like said,
1: 75% occupancy.
0: Yes. Oh my
2: God. Well, it's, it's all, it's, it's, all, it's a six foot, six foot distancing metrics that, that, that is, is what controls us. You know, if they said you can have 75%, but six feet apart, that would still put me back at 25%. So uh, I don't know. But if we ever get up to 75%, I don't know if I even want to go beyond 75% of where we used to be. I've already thought of so many different ways to reconfigure the building or reconfigure the seating and, and uh, just make it more enjoyable for the guests. So I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? It, it, COVID's given us plenty of time to think about, you know, what kind of companies we run and, Uh, what does creating a future look like and what kind of atmosphere can we create uh, going forward? And there's a lot of possibility out there. I mean, COVID has given us time to think it's given us time to be creative. Um, We've definitely been creative in terms of keeping revenue centers going. Um, And I think that the people that have been able to do that have been the most creative and the most talented. And I think that's where we really saw uh, the best from the best is during COVID. Cause they're the ones out there that are, are, are are making it based on how good they are. So I think, you know, it's not, it's pretty impressive The 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 people that are the best, you see it Their to go. Cocktails are the ones that are sought after. They're, uh, they're the ones that have uh, managed to keep the, the lights on the doors open. Um, so I don't know. I think it takes a lot
0: of to your point, there's a lot of talent there uh, there's a lot of drive and tenacity too. I would say yeah. in the food and beverage industry, because everyone knows it listens. I, that's, it's not where I, uh, you know, I, I worked in a bar when, to get through college. That's, you know, the extent of my, my Correct. food and beverage background, but the people who work and breathe and sleep and drink sweat food and beverage, the food and beverage industry, you guys work so hard and really are some of the most creative and and go to. And uh, I don't know, just hard. You work really fucking hard is what I'm saying. And you there's so much tenacity and love and for what you do. Um, it, it's very impressive.
2: Yeah. And, and if the city and the city is I mean, the mayor has put through a lot of new initiatives that could potentially uh, help us in the future. I mean, obviously, bottle sales have helped us tremendously during COVID. But if I, I kind of think that, and, and hopefully Gina would agree with this, that if, they'll, if the city will get out of our way and give us more revenue streams and more ways to be creative and more ways to reach customers and more way to package goods, then all of that talent that has been there can be fully realized and also maybe fully realized in a way that doesn't mean they have to work a traditional bar, uh, bar hours they can create those kind of goods and have that market and be able to get it direct to consumer that we can change the industry for the better coming out of this. Cause we've had some setbacks, but I think there's a lot of ways that we can create a much stronger hospitality, a much more uh, intellectual and like really like talented uh, people and be able to compensate them in a way that uh, makes it a, a lifelong profession, which is where we were heading prior to COVID. But, you know, we've taken a setback, but this, you know, maybe this will open up greater avenues for us.
1: Bill, I have a question. Sure. So, so if you live in DC and you listen to the podcast, you would know that when Bill opened up his bottles for sale, it was like it was it caused a, a frenzy. People were coming there; they were buying the bottles. Everybody like came out. It was it was incredible to see it, and everybody, you know, were proud of the bottles that they purchased. And like I thought, it was a really I thought it was a very selfless thing that you did cuz I know how you felt about all of your whiskeys and your library and everything. And I and I really I want to know um do you feel like you've grown as a, as a person and a business owner from this year and now we're going into plus of covid and like and not and and not holding on to what would have seemed to be the most valuable but holding on to the people for the value. Like what Absolutely. do
2: you Yeah. Like, they became paramount. They became number one. Uh, my only, the, the pride came like, okay, I'm going to keep my team together. I'm going to keep, I'm not going to give up on the dream that I think that, that, you know, when I look back to that first set of say, 10 of you, Gina, like when I look back onto you and Owen and Derek and, and, and Rachel and everyone who got together and said, we're going to make this, we're going to make this a profession. We're gonna, you know, and I, you know, I was already a bar owner at that point. Um, And, you know, that that was the tradition, either you became a bar owner, you got the hell out of the business because there was no, not enough money in it for you to stay long-term. But you really had, and you know, this was happening simultaneously across the country, but you have this entire movement of people that have said, this is an amazing profession to be in. This is a creative profession. This is an intellectual profession. This is something that we can see our, our, our way through, you know, 40 years, um, and open up avenues for other people to learn from us and, and grow. And we really had that developing. And, it, you know, it started those early days um, and watching that and seeing us get to a point where, okay, now we have all these talented bartenders and talented staff that's getting paid uh, higher than they've ever been paid really. And in, in a lot of respects, they have uh, movements to run bar programs or move into management. That's not just like grinding it out long hours, but actually managing you know, wine and cocktails and whiskey and, and beer. And then, and then we also have, you know, great, you know, brand management going and ambassadors and whatever. We had this really big kind of growing industry and then all of a sudden you have COVID. So now the learning point is, you know, for all of us who are growing this, we have to say, okay, finally. And this is why I think that it's so important in our city. And I think, I hope that other cities won't recoil and, from the looks of it, our mayor is pushing ahead in, a, in a, po- a progressive way, is allowing Gina to say, okay, I'm Gina, I can make a cocktail that tastes like a shrimp cocktail, which I bring up quite a bit because I brought my mom to drink at Gina's bar back when she was at P.S. 7s because <laughs> I used to get one day off a week because uh, we were all working so hard, we're industry, you know, when you're running your own bar and I would go to P.S. 7s that was where I would go for a little bit of solace have great cocktails, have good food and just kind of, I would go by myself. And then I remember taking my mom one day and just to sit with Gina and Frank and, and have, co- you know, have cocktails and have these amazing like creations. Um, but you have this mind, right? And you have this ability to say, oh, well, I can stay behind this bar and I can please so many guests at evening and I can make a really good living. But we, you know, Buffalo and Bergen and stuff like that. How do I get creative and how do I turn that into intellectual revenue and then train other people and grow the business so I'm not necessarily in the traditional role, uh, but being able to you know, create brands, create goods, have this uh, secondary market that I can sell to direct consumer, uh, whether on-premise, off-premise, create a brand that maybe somebody else wants to market. And I, I think that's where we're heading in Washington, I think, yep. and if I could, it's funny, if we had if the gloves were off like this back in 2000 or 2000, my God, the team of people that used to sit around a table together would own the town by now. There would be like it would be insane if we had the gloves off back then um, and allowed to do what we can do today. So I have as long as as long as people have energy, as long as the people who have uh, you know risen Gina and and Derek to own their own bar and create these different kind of brands within those bars. As long as there's energy left at the end of COVID, as long as it doesn't strip you completely bare and and take it. There's so much positive that can come out of this. Um, I'm super excited, but some days I'm super low, too.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, you're human the last time I checked. Other people say that you're not. I think you are. (laughs) Yeah,
2: you can hear. So if we can get through these days and then support and take a look, I really kind of want to get the band back together and get this sort of roundtable and say, okay, guys, DC again, let's do it DC again and figure out how do we, with a positive and progressive mayor, how can we lead the country in terms of how we can rebuild and create an infrastructure that allows hospitality workers in our city to make the most money, to have the best working conditions and have a real future and retirement? That is the ultimate goal. And that's what when you asked me the question of out of COVID, or Gina, when you said what what is most important, the whiskey or the people, it's the people. Because yeah. I want Jack Rose to be there a hundred years. I can't do that without a group of people that buy into what we're trying to do and ultimately want to keep trading and running and have a future. Cause if not, they're just moving on and, and that's it. And you, you don't have that continuity and you won't create, you know, you won't create that. We always say we're, we're not creating bars or restaurants. We're creating institutions, institutions need people that believe in it and we'll grow with it. So that, that's where we are. So. I think the
0: interesting thing with that, too, is when you do set out to set to build that kind of institution where people are, are part of something greater than themselves and aren't there just for the moment or there for the long haul. But when they do move on, they move on and grow what you, they take, what you've given them and grow it elsewhere. You've, you've planted a seed that grows into another another this another another Jack Rose, no pun intended. But I mean, yeah. or another iteration of that because you fed such a positive space that um it inspires people to go and do exactly what you've done is like go out and, and work it and do the and to be that next Gina who's going the the bagel goddess. <laughs> uh,
2: Gina, goddess people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um I, I think Bill, I think you're right. I think out of this and this was like totally off of the idea of I think that there should be a sit down. I do think that we should all talk about how do you This is almost like a do-over, right? You get a do-over of 20 years and you say, how do you redo the last 20, take the best of it, and then how do you push it forward? And how do you give the family, the 401k, all of the things that you need as a bartender slash server, whatever it is in the restaurant industry, to never be this vulnerable again? Because we left ourselves very vulnerable and it's disgusting to think that like our insurance that we pay premium top premium couldn't take care of us and it took a ppp to help out these businesses to become all of a sudden a small version of unemployment for staff that's home during the beginning of covid and when you sign up to be a restaurant owner you you never like ever think of those kind of things you're never like oh one day if there's a world catastrophe how am i gonna you just don't It's not going to it's never something you were trained to do. And now I I, I keep thinking of all the things like I can never leave myself this vulnerable again. How am I going to make sure that these people I have 94 percent retention rate and it's only to the two people that left my company to go on to be plumbers. And I think it's awesome. They wanted to go to trade school. They were going to do it anyway. So amazing. Right. And I kept everybody from last call employed. They're employed at all my other places. And I, I just think that we cannot, we have to change legislation. We have to change the way we look at this. We have to change every single thing that we've been doing and what the perception of our businesses. And I also believe that if the United States government, as well as our local Abra boards and, 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 and our larger ones can understand the value of turning the bar room into a bottle shop, turning you know, the revenue, so you you'll be able to buy things and, you know, have a different revenue stream. You can change that. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Shipping, all of that. That shouldn't be something that's left for, you know, just one monopoly to control or just only ship wine or you can only ship beer. You should be able to ship those things across, you know, borders. You should be paying taxes, of course, doing it right it should be open. You should be allowed to sell the bottles. If you come, I walk into your bar, I should be like, you know what, Bill? That bottle costs $900. Miles. I've always wanted it. I should be able to purchase that from you and leave with it closed, intact as a bottle shop. There shouldn't be
0: a reason why that has to change. I think it's, I think you guys have stumbled upon something that, um, again, just listening and not being of the world, uh, of the food and beverage world. I think what you're talking about is doing a round table where you uh, important people and shakers and movers in the industry, people who are um, thought leaders um, sit down with our public figures and figure out how to move forward and change it to your point for the better, for all the other reasons, for all the right reasons. Um, so I think that's, I think that's our next podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks I, I for know doing we, my job for me. Yay. <laughs> I know we got up on a tangent, but I,
2: I've always, it's always bugged me that like, for instance, like, And there's two things here, like with Gina, right? Gina creates an amazing cocktail and people always like, Oh, what's in that? What's the ingredient? And then they have to go down the street and try and think about or write down whatever Gina said. And Gina, she has all this energy put into making this cocktail and people want to try it at home or they want to try one of the ingredients at home. Now being able to sell, you know, her house made bitters or a gum syrup or, or a, you know, um, or a little thing of simple syrup or an actual bottle of Aperol or an actual bottle of a particular Mezcal and saying, this is all you need. Here's your cocktail pack. You know, I don't think you'll be able to duplicate it as good as I do it. But here, if you want to give it a shot, I created this. This is something that now I can capitalize on, but instead they, they either don't go to the store and buy it or worse, some place that doesn't have someone trained. That's not as smart as Gina uh, who didn't put any effort in gets all of the reward by selling them all of the components that go into that cocktail. When Gina should be able to sell it and hand it right out the door to that person to walk home with, or to you know. So that's really my thing is if we're going to grow as an industry, if we're going to have, if we're going to have our minds do a lot of the work as opposed to our bodies, which has been the constant hospitality thing. Having the ability to then put that revenue source out there, and that's where it is. You want to maximize your revenue source, and if you do that, if you're making more revenue off the same amount of work it gives you the ability to offer more things yeah. to your staff in terms of uh benefits that's well what and I mean.
0: it get yeah, more employees more taxes more all of the. it's just more it's all yeah. all it's a, all win-win um and to your point diversifying is always important right for every business for any business so i
1: think it's yeah. important i think i think what bill is saying is so important for the longevity of just even preserving what our jobs are right yeah. like what what it is like we, we all just went through a pandemic and, and went through, still going through. And, and who was the most important, right? Like, you know, you say, well, like well, how do people get through? Well, yeah, everybody went on Zooms and met their friends and had drinks and did all the things, which leads us to the reason for the podcast today, right? So open that bottle.
2: Yeah. 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 Yes, yes. So I'm sorry. We get off because <laughs> we're so, because we care so much about this industry when you get together and you haven't seen people, you're just like, it's what weighs on our mind constantly when we should be, you know. Obviously I've already opened since it's with you guys bottles. What did what
0: do you have there? What, what do that? you have? This oh. is this is the bad this is okay so this is one of the really bad sad points for the podcast. We're we're having really great what Thomas is opening really great Get bottles and we're not together oh, to gosh, drink it. it. What do you
1: have?
2: I've got boardwalk.
1: I want it. Do you want to, you know secretly I just want to have suspension bridge for the rest of my life oh, but I don't I know. have anymore. I talked okay.
2: about the measure earlier. That's so okay. So tell
0: us what you guys have since you are of uh, like apparently cut from the same cloth, just so that our listeners know, they have picked up the same bottle. We are all in separate spaces and they have similar bottles. No.
1: Well, not the same. I'll tell you no, what I have.
0: but similar. Yeah.
1: So I have uh so okay, so I'll decide. So Willet, in case you don't know, Willet is uh, an amazing bourbon. Uh you can get uh single uh vintage, uh single barrel, um Releases of Willet and Bill, so Bill brought Willet to DC. Okay, I don't care what anybody, anyone else can lay claim to it. I know one hundred percent how I got it in my hands in the beginning, and it was from Bill himself. I covet. I have a few bottles of Cookie Monster left, and I give one to the bar every time they run out of one bottle, and I don't i don't hoard it at home and drink it by a fireplace or something great i do leave it in the stores i have one in both stores and i have a few more left and when they're gone they're gone i have other expressions of what but cookie monster might be one of my absolute favorite expressions because it has this beautiful like crumbly note to it And it's not cookie note it's just this beautiful sweetness and i love it
2: yeah and i you know i i think that we said you could gobble it up, so we kind of named it after uh, Mike Turner's daughter. <laughs> uh, like just you're just ready to just keep drinking this thing and 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 and, and going for it. So uh, yeah, that one was a uh, a huge home run. And Gina, you're not the only one that loves that. That was by far probably of the modern. When I say modern, well, it's last. Three four years that has probably been the number one most requested is Cookie Monster for sure.
1: Oh my God, it's so delicious, and I'm yeah. so. It's, so what's different with what you have,
2: Bill? Mine is a uh, slightly different. Mine's an older one. That's uh, the Cookie Monster's actual Willit uh, distillate, whereas I have a 13 year old, which is uh, independently bottled by Willit. Uh, oh. The juice where it came from is unknown. The um, most likely, probably Heaven Hill would be my guess, um, and the, it's just. Uh, just an older whiskey that we put out maybe, I think about five years ago, four years ago, Boardwalk came out. So uh, just the difference in age. I think Cookie Monster was six.
0: I want to go look. So tell me, tell me this, Bill. Um, One thing is like, so being a novice in the spirit realm as I am, and a lot of our listeners are as well, how do you know what to put? away like w- when you find something that you think it might like it, we don't have the knowledge base you have right so if we just we were getting a few things that we maybe spent a little extra for it is there a time that you should pull it before you start I mean before it goes
2: well well in terms of like what you should bunker to ultimately and we always say like it's it's never and I've had this question put to me a million times it's what bottle in your collection wouldn't you open and I go it's never a question of what I open it, it's when and with who that's always that's the only question. Um, every bottle will be opened eventually. So it's just, what's the perfect timing and who's the the perfect person or people to share with. Um, and that's how I think for most, uh, uh, drinkers, the best bottles get open. It's that person comes over or that event happens, um, that you want to share it with and, or share it, uh, remembering. So, uh, you know, with this particular bottle, this one has been fantastic simply because it served two purposes. Uh, it's one that I, I really enjoyed and happened to have open for friends one night. It was a, a it, I mean, this bottle probably sells for around $1,500 now on the secondary market. Um, but it's when I opened, we all enjoyed it. But then this Christmas, um, a good friend of mine Uh, his wife called and said, Hey, do you have any extra boardwalk? It was his, it's his all time favorite. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't have any at all. And then I looked on my mantle, where I keep all my open bottles. And I realized here it is a bottle of boardwalk sitting there open that I must've opened up, you know, with, with, with friends at some point. And I called her and I said, how about I just get, I got two ounce sample bottles and I filled them with boardwalk. We made labels um and uh got them to her so she could put them in his stocking for Christmas. So
0: oh, that's nice.
2: It's not only that I it's not about when you open you know bottles, you know, who would you open them with or when would you open them, but then you don't even have to be there. And I think that during COVID, this exchange of sharing bottles isn't necessarily a physical space thing, it's a mental thing. And that's what I think is so fantastic. There that that's where COVID has changed. So you would open a bottle, sit around, you would drink half of it with your friends. Now you're so excited to open a great bottle and then do this, fill up one of these and give it to them whenever you get a chance to see them or you mail it to them or whatever. And you don't actually have to be there for that physical uh, moment when they're actually enjoying this. The thought of knowing that you open that special bottle, that you gave them a sample, that is it. That is the enjoyment now. It's just as much enjoyment to package this bottle as it is to sit and drink with them with this glass now. It's changed that it's it's become such uh I don't know how, you know, uh, you know, you're 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 not getting that immediate gratification in terms of or you're not seeing that gratification from them. It's the knowing that they're getting the gratification from that special bottle now that uh it means so much. I mean, it, it really it, does. it's
0: and, the gift of giving, right? It's the, it when you give, you get so much out of it. Like you, there's a, there, it, it's almost a selfish, it can be a selfish uh, act when you give something that you love so much to somebody else, because yeah. you feel, you, you feel good about what you've done. You know, like yeah. you get to share that. That's great.
2: Yeah. And you don't have to be in the same room to know that they're enjoying it. And then when you yeah. see them or talk to them in a week or a month or, or a year, uh, you know, they might mention it, they might not, but you know that they thoroughly, for that moment, you you brought something positive, an amazing whiskey, an amazing mezcal, an amazing cocktail uh, in their, into their world, and that's enough. You, you've already lived through the moment before it's been handed to them or before it's been put in the mail. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible. And the one thing that that this, this period will have is, I probably have a hundred of these that have been given to me by customers that oh. uh, wanted they they've been getting you know special bottles and they want to share with me um, that same sort of you know not be my presence when I drink it and say hey here's the feedback they just want to share something and it, it's a really COVID has been a really uh, positive time in terms of I think people being uh, very open about sharing and giving and caring about others and. And the uh, whiskey people have proven that they're the most generous people on the planet, hands down, because I have a hundred of these and own the biggest whiskey bar in the country. <laughs> and I still get these gifts. <laughs> so what does that tell you how giving they are? You know, That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah. So this it's just, it's a good, this is a good topic for this. Yep. I, it's
0: I've never thought about like, you know, we, tra- my husband and I travel a lot and that's what my special bottle is. We brought this, um, it's a small craft mezcal. That you cannot buy in the U S. Um, and it's from 2018 and, uh, of course, my husband picked it and I just had to take the plastic off. We haven't had it because to your point, we want to share it with people who yeah. have a great appreciation for it. Um, and you know, it's something they're going to enjoy, um, and something they can't have w- any other way. And I've never thought about like divvying it out, like in small bottles and sharing the wealth. Cause I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll go back and I'll be able to bring back more. And, um, that's a great, thanks for sharing that. I never thought about doing that. And I think
2: yeah, I really think, and I, I, I truly do think that, uh, it really works. I don't know. We could all send a little positive vibes out there, I guess. And, and, and I think it, I I do feel good when I, when I bottle up something, I feel really good about it. And when I give it, you know, give it to people or mail it, uh, um, it's awesome. And I, I I called distillers yesterday, uh, and you know, who said I I called an actual owner of a distillery who then said, shit, I don't have a bottle open, but Fred Minnick, the, the whiskey critic slash, you know, King of bourbon right now said, Oh, I sent one to him to taste for whatever. So then I picked up a called Fred. Fred's like, sure. All overnight get a sample? So it's coming tomorrow. This little one once again, uh, from that bottle. So it's crazy. I mean, that's how from, you know, this whiskey people are just ridiculously open and like, uh, uh, amazing. To, to Sounds do. like
0: all these little bottles need to go into some kind of art project that's like an ode to, to COVID,
1: <laughs> like a wall of like the empties. Because I, I would hate to see someone make like a, an installation that wasn't able to be drank.
2: That's no, I meant
0: once they're empty.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, like I could have already built a wall with the ones I've thrown away. So I, mean, I wish you guys would have said that about six months ago. I could have filled your wall already. That's for <laughs> I sure.
1: mean bill this isn't over, right? Start saving them now. I feel like yeah. it'd be a fun a fun thing even if you just have them. You know, it's crazy. I, it's you know, I wish I owned the company that makes the Boston rounds, these yeah. little bouncers because like yeah. that's the person that literally la- like you know, a year ago was like no one's buying these and then yep. woke up the next day and was like holy shit, yep. everybody in the world's buying these. Absolutely. So, when when that when when you go to call Uline or whatever when you need them and they're like oh we're two weeks out on those bottles and you're like Uline doesn't have any two ounce bottles That's- I know and it's amazing but, how two ounces is the acceptable pour right. right like we've made two ounces so precious that it's
0: like just this thing like it can't yeah. be another size it has to be two ounces <laughs> to your point to, I think to your to both of your points but it, it's it's about the fact that it's Living with less and appreciating it more. That, you know, we, we, I never thought about Gina. I never thought about, I won't be able to sit and have a drink with Gina. Like, I never thought that that was going to be where we would be. I mean, you, you and I would sit and talk and fight out what we're going to do for the podcast, this and that, and have a good time and make fun of each other and just sit at the barn and have drinks and not even think too about, like, not even think. 2 minutes about what we had we we're drinking and the fact that this is we're just sitting at your bar like shooting shit and now it would be so it's so I miss it it's, it's one of my most favorite thing to do I love it when Gina beats me up Bill that's really what it is it's <laughs> kind of like she just beats the hell out of me in a good way though she makes me stronger and better come for on,
1: it come on but
0: I miss I miss those times of just that and it, and just being able to see uh, when we do the podcast over Zoom at least I get to see her and we get to talk and chat and yeah it just—I think—if nothing else—you walk away with the fact that you, you we appreciate more. Hopefully, that we walk away with you appreciate what you had.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I've reconnected with a, a lot of customers. Uh, it's uh, more so now because, you know, I work the retail. You know, I work the essentially the cash register every day. So, I've met hundreds upon hundreds of people that that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, yeah. so it's been pretty great in that respect. A lot of people live <laughs> in the neighborhood, a lot of people that live literally half a block away, yep. block away are now like, cause your neighborhood is your biggest supporters. Yep. Um, so I've met them all. And th- you know, I see them hopping from one, they'll hop from Jack Rose to get, you know, some whiskey. And then they'll hop over to a place to get a pizza. And then they'll hop over to get some other appetizer. They're literally making a point of hitting four or five neighborhood establishments in a row, spending anywhere from $10 to $30, but spreading as much wealth. And it's really been the people who've been fortunate enough to have, you know, back in the old days, like a regular job that still pays them their salaries have been supporting those people that have had the volatility in their income. And it's been a real team effort. And I have seen a tremendous amount of support from the people that have money spreading spreading it out. I I have very few horror stories from COVID and more stories than I can have about people generosity. So
0: that's it. That's you are a very lucky man for that. I mean, anyone who can say that. Bill has given
1: so many people so much that I am not surprised to hear the people were outpouring to you. So I say it to everybody. I've said it my whole life. You you give what you get. And I mean that. And I tell everybody, if you can give, you give, if you can take care of a charity, you take care of them. If you can teach somebody something, teach them that, you know, you don't have to give away a million dollars. You know, I don't have a million dollars, but like, I have like a million dollars worth of knowledge and I'm willing to give it away. And I'm happy that this is, this is your story because I, it's just, it's heartbreaking the stories and over and over and over again. And I love the share a bottle. And like, if you have something that you're holding onto and you're listening to this, I feel like it's such a great idea to go out and share it. And I think that someone would appreciate you dropping that off. And if you knew that your best friend loved, I don't know, something that's sitting on your shelf and you have this Pisco that you both got in Peru and you haven't drank out of it. You can drop off all the things to make a Pisco sour and meet them on Zoom and do it. You know, I don't know. Like, just be part of people's lives again
0: yeah i uh, i I never thought about the little bottles I mean I gotta definitely do the little bottles. The only thing I did anywhere close to that is i uh where we go in the neighborhood to uh the the guys who take care of it there's an outdoor patio place that we go to have a few cocktails and um it's really great they, they're always wondering where my dogs are they always are like where you know like they take care of my dogs if I show up without a dog they're like they make they say they're gonna make me eat the dog biscuit <laughs> that kind of thing they're just and so at, and I knew they had dogs and I made um, little doggy bags literally doggy bags for the holidays filled them up with snacks and gave and you would have thought I gave those guys like a uh, uh, Something with worth a lot more than just some dog treats But they were like, well, I'm like, but you take care of my dogs all the time Why wouldn't I? You know, that was my thing And it was just something small But I bet you if I would have put that two ounce bottle They would have been even happier <laughs> That's for the dog parent <laughs> um,
1: I think we should make a cocktail Let's make a cocktail Let's do it Let's make that cocktail. So. So you know it's hard when you're opening that bottle you have to say am i going to mix you know am i going to am i going to mix cookie monster into a cocktail probably not i'm probably not going to ever do that Uh, maybe after like 12 drinks i probably like mix them all up who cares but when i'm going to have like the one drink and i have like a nostalgia and it's a classic and it's delicious um i always think about the classic cocktails and um, what i love about this cocktail we're going to make the um It's a, And I'm going to say, now everyone can say it differently. I call it the Verdome, but it could be Verdam Room or however you want to um, describe it. But that's the name of the cocktail. And what it was, was an old um, club, like a social club in Hollywood in the 1930s. And this cocktail was born from it. And it's very, very simple. It's just one ounce of uh, dry gin and then vermouth, uh, both sweet and dry and a lemon twist. Right. So if any of you are listening, you're like, oh, you know, that's just a perfect martini, right? Because that's what's in there, except the proportions have been changed. And what I love about this cocktail is that it's so simple. It's crazy simple and it's so beautiful on its own right. But the best part about this drink is is that you control the destiny of the drink. You're the driver. So you pick the gin, you pick the vermouths, you pick the flavor profiles that you want to have in there. And the suggestions are just that of what suggestions are, right? So for me, we're going to use forged gin and we're going to use one ounce. And you can change the gin around to I don't know, Catoctin Creek Watershed, you could do a really funky St. George uh, gin, you could do traditional uh, Bombay Sapphire, you know, whatever you're feeling. And then I'm gonna use the um Italian Sweet Vermouth for one ounce, and I really, I enjoy this one. For me, it's a little chilly outside and I really love the way that this drinks. It's uh, from Torino, it's just a really classic um, vermouth, really delicious, and it's just, it's just well crafted. I do love the Dolan. I'm gonna use the Dolan Dry with it. Some people would say use all the Dolans. Sometimes you wanna mix it up. So I'm gonna use the Dolan Dry as my um, driver vermouth. Again, you can pick things that you like. Capital Line is a nice driver vermouth. You can change it and, and dial the drink into the way that you want the drink to feel. So we're gonna pour all of that into a stirring glass. And then we're going to take our ice and we're going to fill it three quarters of the way and put it in, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm at my bar and I'm lucky enough to have really beautiful, nice rocks glasses. If you're at home and you're using your your at-home ice, you want to make sure that it is three quarters of the way full because you want the dilution in the stir to happen and, and really, it really does make a difference for the drink. So we're going to, we, we have a glass uh, chilling. And we're gonna do 30 to 45 rotations. And you have to really be honest with yourself at this point. And you have to say, is my house 73 degrees? Maybe I should put on a jacket and stop wearing tank tops and lower the temperature of my house because 67 degrees is pretty good. And I would say that at that point you could probably stop at 30 rotations. But if it's any warmer than that, then you're a 45 rotation or better person. So right now I am in my restaurant and my restaurant's at 70 degrees because I wasn't here to adjust the thermostat today. So we're gonna go 41, 2, 3, 4, and five. And now I know that 100%, I have a nice chilled cocktail. I have the water dilution that I'm looking for and I have a chilled cocktail glass And we're gonna use our strainer here and we're just gonna pour it. And again, I tell everybody, take your time when you make the pour, get the ribbon going, look at it. Is it giving you that nice little ribbon? It looks kind of like a curly Q from Christmas. It's just, that's the pouring ribbon that you're looking for. And no, it's not just the name of a bar in New York. It is really (laughs) a term and it is something you try to achieve because then you know that it is blended just so beautifully. And it's the anticipation of drinks like this that really make them special. So now comes the most crucial part. We're gonna garnish it. And some people would say, give it a horse neck. A horse neck means it's a really long peel. But what we're gonna actually do is just a little bit bigger than a quarter of the skin. And we are going to just zest it over, just basically zest it over the top. And then once around, and then we're gonna drop it in. And that is it, that is all that you need, classic, beautiful, and just nice sipper. So if you're not gonna open that bottle, savor this cocktail, because it's delicious. <laughs> so cheers.
0: cheers. Cheers! Cheers. This, I love this cocktail, this is a nice cocktail. It is very nice. So so you're saying you could even if you you didn't like sweet vermouth, you could just use dry. Is that what you're saying? Or do you say you're going to use one ounce of dry, one ounce of
1: sweet and then and then one ounce of gin and then it's a lemon peel in the drink. Right. Yep. But you can dial in this drink to what you like. Say that your favorite vermouth is Trencheri vermouth. And you're like, that's my favorite vermouth and I love it. And that's it. Then that drink becomes that becomes your vermouth and you use that red vermouth. And then if you want to use a different um, white vermo- dry vermouth, you use that. If you want to use a semi use that. But it's the proportion and the way that you make the drink that becomes your own version of the drink. Gotcha. And you could just, even the smell of this, you could just feel a room. It's just like a, it's a, it's a very aromatic cocktail and it gives you that little bit of, opulence, even though nothing in it's too crazy expensive or anything. It's just a beautiful
0: it's a beautiful proportion. When 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 would you think this cocktail came about? Uh, it was Other born than, in the not, not just not just two minutes ago that we just made.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was originally in the 1930s. And of course, bartenders are terrible historians. So we have to rely on when it was either featured in an article, a paper or was mentioned somewhere and it was mentioned in a cocktail book in 1934 pretty sure that it happened they there was drank during prohibition but again where is that written you know what i mean so if you find that book bill would like to publish it so please bring it to bill thomas and we will get that immediately on a press <laughs> but right. um you know it's speculation to when they show up and when they were in another article or printed so i i don't know how else uh I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty racy if you think about it already, right? That social club was around during the, um, during prohibition, because prohibition in this country didn't end until 1933. And they're saying this was invented in the 1930s. So that was already controversy enough.
2: It's you know, my, um, my most prized possession, uh, is not really a bottle. It's a, it's a, the Savoy cocktail book. And in the, uh, inscribed on the, on the front couple pages, it was from uh, ambassador from Great Britain to uh, Senator, uh, God, Holling, God, I, I always butcher his name. It's, it's a family dynasty in New Jersey uh, that um, has been, has Congressman generation after generation. Hollings fits something. Um, and it says, it's to him on the eve of the great repeal.
0: Wow.
1: That's amazing.
2: It's it's amazing, but here's the crazy thing: I'm on the treadmill the other uh, couple of days ago, and I'm watching Boardwalk Empire season four, and Nucky Thompson is getting a uh, I can't award, and he was getting uh, getting uh, letters from all these different congressmen, senators, attorney general, blah blah. Congratulations on your award, and it was. Uh, I think it was from Senator H of New Jersey. And I was like, I wonder if that is the senator or from H from New Jersey that the book is inscribed to. So it just it bugged me. So I have to look it up and see. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. That's, that's my cool. favorite thing. Written, beautiful penmanship. Of course. Uh, in celebration of the great repeal. And that was given to me, God, in the night, late 90s.
0: That was a gift.
2: Yeah. That was a gift. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's an gift. amazing Somebody, gift. Yeah. So uh it's just a prized possession. It's an old beat down cocktail book. Um, That's awesome. But, yeah, a little bit of you history. You have a few there. of
0: those too, Gina, right? Like, I mean, some beat down ones, but that you you'd like draw blood if anyone ever took them.
1: <laughs> I have a coveted collection. I le- I lend people those books and then let them use them. Not not my signed co- not, nothing like that. I do have a few signed ones, but I. I enjoy those books very much, but I also love turning the pages of like, so the Savoy book is just, is timeless, right? It's every cocktail that ever meant anything and it's all in one book. And I don't know, it's, you know, if you haven't been to the Savoy and like when COVID's over and you can travel again and you love cocktails and you're listening to this podcast, I would 100% say that that should be a stopping a place that you go because it is like going back in time, except it's still so modern in the way that they do things. But it is timeless and the rooms are stunning and you drink a cocktail there and you understand and you can imagine what it would have been like to have been in London in 1940 during World War II and people were still going to the Savoy for cocktails. And it was amazing to think that bombs were falling on your city and people were still going for four o'clock, five o'clock cocktail hour. That well, is amazing. It the made best, us. Ex- they had more need then. <laughs> but it's the best. I, I think of that time, and I think, you know, what I probably would have been the bartender. I've been like, all right, everybody, put your hats on. We're gonna have drinks. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, it's amazing. Well, now so, you say, okay, everybody, put your mask on. We're gonna have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? God, if you didn't have to cover your mouth, it, it could have been your ears. Why couldn't COVID just go over your ears Then we could just learn sign language? <laughs> really, if COVID affects your ears instead of your mouth and your nose, we would
0: have been no. all set. That's just marriage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a whole all right. podcast. Anyway. Gina, it's time to do our barkeeping. Okay. Where is
1: everyone going to go? You're going to go to um, designated drinker. Show for tips, tricks, how to's, how to get to Bill, how to go to Jack Rose, support the bottle service, cocktails, pick up, please. We would love that. And if you miss that, that it is it's Show. Good job. Yay, I'm getting good at this. It only took 100,000 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bill, I don't know if I ever asked you this question because I have a new question. So you know how like... All, of, all the people kind of go around, they identify themselves as different, you know, animals and they're like, oh, my spirit animal is a lynx because it's, it's kind of like a house cat, but it's really like regal. And they're also like a little savage. And you're like, can you really identify with that? If you can identify yourself with one spirit ingredient, and it could be um, anything that goes into a cocktail or cooking, what would that ingredient be? And why?
2: Uh, I mean, I mean, come on, the cliche answer for me is going to be something revolving around, uh, you know, probably, you know, bourbon. I mean, I can't imagine I'm not much of a cook, so we can get that out of the way. I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the one that makes the cocktails. That's for sure. Uh, the only time I ever spent bartending is back when, you know, two ingredient drinks rained in the nineties. Like, you know, if you want me to make you a, a Cosmo or an Appletini or a, or a uh, woo woo or a lemon drop or something like that. I'm, I'm your guy, but, um, I, 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 whiskey, I can't think of anything else. It's what I drink. That's what I've been drinking since nine thirty this morning. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's my full on job impact when I, you know, I don't know. That's all it's become such a big part of my life over the last 20 years or more now. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything else but whiskey, every incarnation of whiskey. I, I know that's probably lame, but, I'm so cliche when it comes to, you know, I've never branched out. I mean, I do love Mezcal and and I love a great cocktail made by someone who is, uh, you know, knowledgeable.
0: A Gina-like object.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just not me. You know, that's why it's a great thing about going to bars. I mean, you know, the creative mind that goes into a cocktail now is just when I think back to the 90s and you think today, Like in the nineties, you could have gotten somebody up to speed to sling drinks in a week for sure. I mean, you could throw them in the deep end of the pool on a Saturday night like myself and you could do a reasonable amount of revenue. You throw someone behind a modern bar uh, today and we're literally like talking the difference between having a doctorate and having a elementary school education and telling them to perform. It just, it's not possible. It's, um, uh, It's not, it's amazing. It's incredible. You and, watch them all. you and me
0: both, Bill. I could I could do two 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 ingredients and we're done, and two ingredients and a garnish.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. The, it, what it takes to nobody understands how difficult it is a bar program, you know, you know that it's a it, it's a six figure job really at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. it's like it's it's and that, and that, and hopefully that's what it'll be for more and more. I mean, we just have to figure out a way to once again. I think you know, monetize it in ways that aren't necessarily monetized by just that customer in front of you. It's got to be a greater, uh, that's gotta be, that's gotta be part of it as a way for all the other parts to kind of flow into or to flow from in terms of building a brand or building a creative, but, uh, or being your calling card to sell those products. But we're going to need a greater buy-in and it's going to have to come from ownership too. I, sorry, I'm, I'm getting back on my, uh, I guess I keep saying, if I don't say it out loud, I'll never become the owner of a company that does that if I don't say it in front of people so people can say, why aren't you doing that? Or, you know, hold you to your, your word. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. No, I will 100% join your membership club. So <laughs> get that going. Yeah. I would be your fir- I will literally have card number one. The
2: yeah. day that
0: you say it, I, I will take the first membership. Yeah, I'll I'll design the cards and the pins that everyone gets.
2: Yeah. And and obviously, I'm a big believer in uh, property ownership because it gives the kind of security to uh, a bar restaurant. I mean, obviously, if you know, if if say say Gina's parents were in the business and they had and I limit this because my family has been in the business for all these generations. If they had turnover property that was free and clear, it would make it so much easier to weather these ups and downs because they could you know, take the pressure off the restaurants in order to keep the company and the rest of the staff afloat. But when you have banks breathing down your neck or landlords breathing down your neck, you can't focus. And that's another, there's been plenty of annoying, like the PPP paperwork or whatever. I need to focus on creating revenue right now for my people. I can't take the time out to jump through all of your hoops to give me back money uh, or give me money in a way that's not even particularly useful. I need to focus. So I would like to see, like I say, institutions like I, you know, I always say that Jack Rose may not be run by a member of my immediate family, but perhaps it'll be run by somebody's, you know, daughter or or son that works in the company now that it takes that kind of path. I don't care. To me, it's a meritocracy. I don't want to put my company in the hands of, uh, you know, uh, someone who is not worthy of stewarding it in a way that benefits the group. But how do we get there? And 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 to be property ownership and and on the on the heels of COVID, um, perhaps you know with brick and mortar becoming less attractive, perhaps that will open up uh, avenues for uh, small business people to make that sort of investment so they can control their destinies and the future of the company. Um, if we can get buy-ins from the banks and the cities with loan programs and discounts and stuff, um, I think that uh, would be beneficial.
1: go, go I feel like the days of restaurant borrowing are like it was hard to borrow money from the bank before to open a restaurant. Yeah. I cannot even imagine what it's going to be like now.
2: Uh, um, yeah, obviously. So if you can have, if you could have that tangible asset, if, if you're really making a real estate play as opposed to a bar play, you know, it, that would, that would help. If you can have that sort of equity, if you can, uh, if you can do that, that may be the way to uh, be able to fulfill that kind of a dream uh, you know, I was, you know, I've been pushing, uh, pushing towards that goal now for, for quite some time, and I'm only, you know, I'm, I'm only, I'm literally nine years away from owning the properties outright, and then this would be such a different COVID experience uh, for me, for sure. But it also means that I could have been uh, potentially more uh, uh, personally generous. I mean, I, I absolutely have not I've been selling everything on my personal level to make up any shortfalls, to keep everybody going, but you shouldn't have to sell everything you love to do this. It would be great if it would, there was a, another avenue. So I think I'll work it out in the next decade, but I, it, you know, if other people don't start on the path now, they're, you know, you know, I don't want, I don't want to see it become, you know, large, large landlords own all the property and you lease from them and you know, who knows what your fate is. It's just
1: I feel hard. like you got to follow them. So it's going to sound ridiculous, right? But what was the best thing about um, McDonald's? Is it the food? No, it's the fact they own every single piece of property that, that they put a McDonald's on. Yeah. And they're just really a giant, you know, real estate company that serves food now. Yeah. And then they sell a piece when they need money or they acquire three more when they can. Yeah. Like I, you have to follow that model. And I don't mean like go out and serve milkshakes and stuff, but I mean, they're smart. They can endure, they can go through phases that people go and they don't go and they're unaffected because they do own their, their buildings.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's key. It's key to me. And unfortunately, you know, I'm going to have to do, I, you know, the funny thing is I, I, I don't qualify for any kind of, re, I had a very aggressive pay schedule, but I can't even refinance. I couldn't, they wouldn't even let me refinance to, to, to start over again, even though I have a lot of equity uh, because I, being a, here it is having 50 or 60 or 70% equity in my building and having, they wouldn't let me start the the term over again to drop the payment by two thirds, which would have been much more manageable because I was such a um, high risk being a restaurant. Even with that, it it was driving me crazy. I was like, this makes no sense.
0: So I think that we're all very fortunate to have both of you at the helm of some of the best restaurants. We're lucky in D.C., and I'm sure and I hope that other, there's many, many of you in other places as well, because um, you are a part of the fabric of our neighborhoods. And to your point, uh, the food and beverage industry supports. It's what the second largest industry and supports um, our lifestyles and our and livelihoods. And and uh, it, it, like I said, it's a part of our, our life in our neighborhood. So I would like to say cheers to you both. And thank you for all cheers. your hard work. And I think you're welcome. Both- Amazing people, and I can't wait till we can have drinks together again. <laughs> Cheers.
2: Cheers.
0: The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.